Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thanks so much for joining me. We have a great show coming up today. I have with me my special guest, Nancy Moorbacher. Nancy uh, is an IBCLC and FILCA. She's the author of Breastfeeding Answers Made Simple. She's the co-author of Breastfeeding Made Simple, Seven Natural Laws for Nursing Mothers. And she's also the author of three editions of the Breastfeeding Answer book, which was, of course, published much earlier. She has been helping breastfeeding families since 1982. Board certified in 1991, Nancy ran a large private practice in the Chicago area from 1993 until 2003. A fellow of the International Lactation Consultant Association, Nancy has a long list of accomplishments. Nancy, welcome to Breast Born to be Breastfed. Thanks so much, Marie. It's a great pleasure to be here. You're always fun and easy to talk to, so I know our guests are really going to enjoy all that you have to say. For those of you who don't know Nancy, let me tell you, Nancy and I could probably have a three-day discussion on this show, but we're, we're going to try to keep it uh, simple because keeping things simple is what Nancy is all about. And today we're really going to have a focus on breastfeeding and the working mother. Now, to that end, I've divided it into four segments, just like usual. So in the beginning, I'm going to just ask Nancy to give us a little bit of an overview of her thoughts, philosophies, ideas, observations, etc. And in the second section, we're going to talk about the planning and the immediate going back to work. Third section, we'll talk about that, mm, you know, after you've been doing it for a while and it kind of gets a little bit different and then we'll wind up with a fourth segment we're also taking calls so if you would like to call in please feel free to do that we'll be taking calls uh, later so Nancy here's the thing women who return to paid employment face all of the breastfeeding issues that the stay-at-home mothers face they have worries about not making enough milk how to store their milk for use at a later time and then kind of the other simple things, like whether the food they ate for lunch bothers their baby. Of course, you know how I feel about that. I always think that's kind of uh, overrated. But, but what issues do you see as the kinds of things that are not experienced by the mothers who are at home? Or perhaps they're experienced in a different way with mothers who are working outside of the home. 
Well, Marie, one of the things I think that's really different for the mother who's employed is that her milk production is not regulated naturally by the baby because the mother at home, she can she can kind of relax about her milk production as long as she's feeding her baby on cue because the baby, a healthy baby, will regulate milk production in exactly the right way. You know, babies do this by feeding more often, taking more milk from the breast, you know, when, when they, the milk production needs to be boosted, that sort of thing. But the mother at work doesn't have that advantage. Um, another area that's different for the mother who's working is that she may experience what the researchers call role overload, which means yes. she's got so much going on in her life. You know, there's more going on than the mom who's focused on her baby and her household. Uh, another difference, uh, while mothers at home may be expressing their milk, you know, and doing some pumping, for the mother who's employed, oftentimes pumping is really key to keeping her milk production stable over the long term. So she has this oftentimes love-hate relationship with with her (laughs) pump. And then I think another is that mothers who have to go to work can't necessarily catch up on their sleep during the day by taking naps like mothers can at home. Um, And so their sleep becomes a big issue too. And then, of course, there's all the, the, the aspects of the work itself that can be challenging. You know, for example, inflexible job requirements, you know, in certain settings, uh, work travel, um, less than supportive employers. So, you know, there's a whole host of different areas, I think, that are unique to the employed breastfeeding mother. Oh, Nancy, you're so right. And you've, I was just actually impressed with how you really went to, in some ways, really the heart of the matter. And yet all of those things are are not, um, you went broad as well. And I would totally agree with all of those things. I thought it was good that you ended up with the aspects of the work itself. Because I found that, you know, some mothers, for instance, anybody working for me, it's easy. We've got a place to be. It's private. It's nice. I'm a a nice boss. or (laughs) Well, at least I'm nice for that stuff. And, you know, that's great. But I'm thinking that so many women do not even work in an office environment. And they've got all of those kinds of issues that you've talked about. So, of the things you've just mentioned... What would you name as maybe the top one or two things that you've seen either in the literature or in your experience that are really the biggest, most thorny issues that moms have to deal with in the in the workplace? Well, I think that the thorniest issue is actually, uh, it's a similar thorny issue for mothers at home, and that is around uh, milk production. But as I said, for the mother who's who's employed, she has a different... Uh, there's a different spin on it because she really, even when she understands well how milk production works, she can't just let it happen naturally. She has to work on it. Um, You know, some of the others, we've been lucky in the United States. I know that you have an international audience, but here in the United States, you know, we have had some laws passed recently that actually ensure that mothers should be able to get a time and place to pump. You know, that even employers who are not necessarily naturally supportive of breastfeeding are now required by law to... to provide, you know, certain uh, services, you know, like, for example, a time and a place to pump that's not a bathroom and things like that. So those are some things that have been taken care of in, a, in, a, uh, in the larger scope. But I think, you know, when you get down to the personal aspects of it, uh, you know, that, that's a different story. I think that that can be extremely thorny for moms. 
Nancy, I I would agree, Thorny. I, I just want to add here something that uh, you did not address, but I just heard it, I don't know, three or four days ago, maybe, on CBS. One of the commentators said that breastfeeding is legal in most states, and that is incorrect. So if any of our listeners happened to hear that comment a few days ago, that is incorrect. Breastfeeding in public is legal in all 50 states. Yes. It's just that some law, some states have laws specifically protecting a woman's right to breastfeed in certain situations. Uh, and breastfeeding in public could be one of them. And as you say, you know, some states have passed laws that ha- require the uh, employer to provide a place for mothers and so forth. So I know that's a little off topic, but as you were saying that, I just thought, oh man, if anybody heard that the other day, of course, mm-hmm. you know me, Nancy, I wanted to hop right on the phone and call them up. <laughs> right, of course. Say, wow, wow, wow. Yes. <laughs> so one of the things that I've noticed is that people think that the whole going back to work thing can be addressed with what I guess I would call a one-size-fits-all solution. And I don't think that's realistic. Uh, Certainly the woman who's going back to work when her baby is three weeks old has really a different situation than the mother whose baby is three months old. Um, Give us some insights into that. All right. Well, the the new book that I just finished, uh, Working in Breastfeeding Made Simple, what I did in there was I actually created six different time windows to try to to explain a little bit more specifically for any mother, you know, what it might mean to her to go back to work, you know, when her baby is a certain age. And the, the time windows start at birth. You know, there are some women who go back to work almost immediately yes. um, and they extend through uh, beyond one year. And what I've learned in my international travel is that even though, for example, some countries do have paid maternity leave, extended paid maternity leave, not all women can take advantage of that. There are women, for example, in other countries who have uh, have their own businesses and they Absolutely. they can't afford to take take the time up or for example in Canada where you know you have to have had a full-time job for a certain length of time before you qualify maybe they haven't and so they have to go back earlier and and in the United States I worked for a corporate lactation program for two years and I talked to women here in the US who actually were able to take off six months or a year because they were able to work that out with the employer so I don't really think it matters so much where you live um, I think understanding how these time windows can affect you and your baby and breastfeeding, I think, can be valuable information. So, so essentially, ju- just to bring it down to the, the simplest aspects, you know, one of the one of the areas is the mother's recovery. Um, the the science the science tells us that even at 11 weeks postpartum, women still have an average of about four childbirth-related symptoms, you know, such as pain and fatigue. And so, you know, the mother's recovery will play a role, you know, in how easily this goes for her when she returns to work. Women, obviously, who have a cesarean section have more symptoms than women who give birth vaginally. The the, the second, of course, is the baby. And babies typically have fussy periods, especially during the first three months or so. You know, they tend to peak at around six weeks where, you know, babies typically have often in the evenings times when they're just fussing inconsolably no yes. matter what you do. And that obviously makes a mother's life a lot more difficult when she's trying to return to work and then she comes home in the evening 
you know, and her baby is fussy. You know, if she if the baby's a little older and is more settled in the evening, that's going to make the experience very different. Um, another another aspect is, you know, w- it, when the baby starts solid foods, which is recommended uh, starting at around six months. You know, as the baby takes more solids, the baby actually needs less mother's milk during the day. So that's another dynamic that can affect, you know, the, how, what the mother needs to be responsible for, you know, after she returns to work. Nancy, I have to tell you that I have your book sitting right on my desk in my office, and I'm not in my office, uh-huh. so I, I can't grab it. Um, help me with my feeble memory. What were the six... Um, the six, six time frames? Yeah. Okay, so the six time frames are um, birth to five weeks is the uh-huh. first, first window. The second window is six weeks to three months. Uh-huh. Um, the third window is four to five months. Uh-huh. Um, the the uh, fourth one is six to eight months. And then we have nine to 11 months and then after one year. Okay. And Nancy, uh, just quick before we find the break coming up at us, how did you determine those six as the windows that you wanted to address? Well, I, I decided I wanted to make them small enough so that, you know, it, it, I could really focus in on the specific differences, you know, related okay. to the baby's age and the mother's recovery and that sort of thing. So I, I used the, the baby's age, you know, some of the, the the uh, behaviors that I mentioned earlier, you know, along with the mother's recovery and that sort of thing, and then the solid foods, you know, how so, much how much milk the mother's going to need to supply to the baby. So would it be fair to say, based on somewhat the baby's behaviors and the mother's recovery and the dynamics of the overall uh, milk production yeah, okay. needs, yes. Yeah. That seems to make a lot of sense. Hey, everybody, don't go away, and feel free to call in. Uh, We are here with Nancy Moorbacher. We'll be taking questions, and if you listen to the commercial break, you'll find out exactly how to call in. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. 
Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the Cancer Coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here with Nancy Moorbacher. And Nancy is talking about some of the challenges of combining work that is paid employment with breastfeeding. And before the break, we were talking just more in generalities about what that entails. And I'd just like to remind you that if you feel like calling in, that number is 1-866-472-5792. I think you'll find that Nancy's very easy to talk to and will be happy to field your questions. Nancy, one of the things I've learned uh, and, and I learned kind of early in this game, is the planning is a critical part of combining the joys of breastfeeding with the responsibilities of paid employment. So when the mother goes back to work, um, what do you see as sort of the top three things that she needs to get us a handle on, really kind of scope out so that it doesn't take her by surprise or she's ill-prepared for it when, when she... Uh, goes back. And it might even be pre-planning before she delivers. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that, you know, any employed mother, it would be helpful for her to know what the law says about her rights with regard to breastfeeding in the workplace. And there have been some changes in recent years, and we have more protections for breastfeeding mothers, thankfully. Um, Also, I think what goes on at her individual workplace. One of the logical questions to ask is, is there any sort of a lactation program here? Uh, because oftentimes there is, you know, and if the mother finds that she's a trailblazer, then that, that'll at least give her some time to, you know, put put some plans into action and, and get the sort of accommodations that she needs put in place. As I mentioned, the law should be behind her on that. Um, yeah. You know, find out also if she, you know, what are her options for flexibility? 
Um, I would say third would be finding breastfeeding-friendly child care, and that oh, can take yeah. some time. So you definitely want to give all those things, you know, some time during the pregnancy uh, so that the mom really has a, you know, feels at ease with her arrangements before she goes back to work, before she even has the baby. Yeah, I have to say that just a bit ago, I uh, was talking with a mother who I thought she had lined up. I thought her child caregiver was going to be Mrs. La Leche League. I mean, she was so pro-breastfeeding. I thought it was going to be great. Only to find out that a little bit later, at four months, she was, no, actually it was three months, she was wanting to give that baby solids. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes you've got to dig a little bit deeper other than just the breastfeeding stuff. Right. And and I would encourage mothers to raise those questions, even though sometimes it's, you know, it's a little awkward. But yeah. so so Nancy, here in the U.S., it seems to me like we always have a lot of hype about longer maternity leaves, and and that's like a topic for another day. But it's it's not going to be happening in the next couple of months. I think we all know that. So, in order to help the moms who are out there today or tomorrow or next month or a few months from now. Um, what kind of time, uh, what do you see as how those time frames, like let's say the mother does have some choices, mm-hmm. how would you encourage her to look at those time frames for returning to work? Well, I think always a mother's going to find that the longer that she can stay home with her baby, the, the easier it's going to be to to meet her breastfeeding goals. Uh, yeah. what, the, what the research tells us is that, for example, women who are home for 12 weeks are much more likely to meet their breastfeeding goals and go long-term uh, as compared to women who return to work before then. And we talked in the last segment a little bit about why that might be. You know, some of it has to do with the mother's physical recovery from childbirth, you know, the fact that she's got her milk production well-established, um, you know, the baby's uh, fussiness has decreased. But, you know, we don't really know if it's, it's, if it's also because perhaps the mother who returns to work at 12 weeks has a more supportive workplace, which is why she's going sure. back to work, work in the first then. Place. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to know. But for example, many women use uh, their, their vacation time and paid holidays and things like that as uh, ways to increase the amount of time that they can take off. But, you know, most, mostly I think, you know, the more time a mother can take, the better. I would agree. And again, this goes into my idea that if you plan, or at least try to plan, you stand a better shot at it. Yes, I would agree too. I also sort of warn mothers that they need to consider the idea of what would happen if they had a cesarean. And I don't like to give them a down trip, but you know, with a 30-plus cesarean section rate these days, uh, I guess I kind of want them to think about do you have vacation time that you can use? Right. Do you have, you know, what, what are your options here? So, Nancy, some issues that affect employed women, but not necessarily the, the women that stay at home. Um, I'm thinking about things like baby taking more milk, uh, becoming overfed while the mother is still at her place of employment. How many times do moms say, oh, you know, and then I got to the daycare and they just given him however many ounces. These can be really big hurdles. Um, can, can you help us to have a little bit of advice or some troubleshooting around these kinds yes. of things? Yeah, that, those are very important areas, and and I think the most the most critical thing is for mothers to to learn a little bit about what's normal in terms of milk production, so that that, that makes it possible to troubleshoot. For example, yeah. what what I do, 
I use a, a specific number as sort of my benchmark of how much milk a baby needs in a 24-hour day. You know, it's usually somewhere between 25 and 30 ounces. That's average. But, sure. you know, I, I use 30 ounces as my benchmark. And so what, what you can do, for example, let's say a mother's away from her baby for eight hours, including travel time. Eight hours is one-third of a 24-hour day. So you, what you would expect would be that the baby would need about a third of the 30 ounces or about 10 ounces during that time. So if, for example, the, the child care provider is saying, well, no, your baby needs 20 ounces, which does happen, unfortunately, sure. early, regularly, then the mother can say to herself, well, obviously something is wrong here. Because if, if on average my baby should need 10 ounces and my caregiver is telling me my baby needs 20 ounces, I need to look into this and find out what's going on. You know, one of the issues that can cause that is you mentioned overfeeding. You know, many times when we think of bottle feeding, we think of it as one thing, you know, that, that everybody knows how to do it because we've seen it done our whole lives. But actually, there's a, a way to bottle feed called paste bottle feeding that, yes. actually, that actually mimics more closely what a baby does at the breast so that they feel full with less milk. And, you know, in my book, I, I describe that in detail. I actually have a handout um, that I have online that people could print off for caregivers that describes exactly how to do it. And it, it's, what it does is it, it makes the, the caregiver uh, holds the baby more upright. The bottle is more horizontal rather than the baby being on, on his back with the bottle, you know, tilted up. Uh, yep. The idea being yep. you want the flow to be slower. And then the, the, the caregiver tilts the bottle down um, every few minutes to give the baby a little bit of a break from the flow because that's, that's how the breast actually works. We have a, an ebb and a flow. You know, we have a multiple uh, what we call letdowns or milk releases you know, during breastfeeding. And what that does is it allows the baby's appetite control mechanism to kick in. Just like we adults were told to eat slowly so that our appetite control mechanism kicks in and we don't we don't overfeed ourselves. It's a little bit equivalent to the idea of the adult putting their fork down, could you say? Right. Right. <laughs> right. So so if we we're told to eat slowly so that we feel full with less food and the same thing can be true for babies. So so if you understand that babies on average take about 30 ounces in 24 hours and that can help you calculate, you know, what is what your baby taking a reasonable amount, you know, not every baby's average, but if it's, if it's twice that, then you know that there's probably something going on that needs adjusting. You know, maybe, the, maybe the caregivers, uh, you know, you got too much milk in the bottles and too much of it's being discarded or, you know, it could be any number of different things. Nancy, as I heard you talking there, uh, you mentioned that magic number. And I know that you're big on the magic number. Yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about the magic number. I will. Well, th- this is a concept that many mothers have told me they find very, very helpful. And what it is, is the magic number is the number of times each 24-hour day that a mother needs to remove the milk from her breast to keep her milk production stable over the long term. And what's interesting about that is that, you know, each woman, you know, women have different magic numbers. It's not going to be the same for every woman. This is, uh, again, sure. going back to that whole uh, not following a one-size-fits-all uh, approach. Uh, so what determines the magic number? That Basically, the way milk production works is drained breasts make milk faster and full breasts make milk slower. So if, if a mother's breasts get full enough that you know, there's pressure in the breast, then the milk production starts to slow down. Um, and you know, the, other, the opposite is true, too. If, if she drains her breasts more fully, then it's going to cause her milk production to speed up. Now, 
though there's a physical difference among mothers that affects this whole dynamic too, and it's called breast storage capacity. And what breast sure. storage capacity is, um, it's the amount of milk that is in a woman's breasts at their fullest time of the day. And that can vary a lot from one mother to the next. And that, that really does help to determine the magic number. So, for example, if a mother's breasts hold a lot of milk, you know, comfortably, then it takes a longer time and it takes more, more milk before her breasts get full enough to cause production to slow down. So Nancy, you, you spoke earlier about uh, how the mother who's at work is in sort of a not natural uh, right. situation. Right. So would it be fair to tell the mother that her magic number may in fact change when she returns to work? Uh, no, actually, the magic, the magic number can change from baby to baby. But no, it, it shouldn't change. The magic number is something that is usually fairly stable um, okay. for, for an individual baby. Uh, so the, for the, I would say the average mother, a mag, the magic number is probably around seven. Um, if a mother has a really large storage capacity, it can be as low as five. You know, for a mother with a very small storage capacity who needs to remove her milk much more often to keep her milk production stable, you know, it might be more like eight or nine. So that's kind of the range that we often see. Um, and, and so that's that once a mother determines her magic number, that can really help her make decisions around her daily routine that are going to affect whether she's able to meet her long-term breastfeeding goals. Nancy, you're a, such a woman of common sense. And for those who, of you who are listening and maybe you're going back to work, one of the questions I would have for you is, does the flange on your pump fit you? Okay, I believe you. Uh, if pumping is going well and your flange is comfortable, don't change a thing. But if you've tried every size that your brand offers and none of them fit, take a visit to Pumpin' Pal. It's pumpinpal.com, P-U-M-P-I-N-P-A-L.com. It, these devices work with seven different kinds of pumps, and it may be your ticket to better comfort and for a limited time, you can even get free shipping when you use the code USPS29. All right, everybody, don't go back. Don't go away. I will be back with Nancy Moorbacher right after this break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuso. I have with me today... uh, lactation consultant, expert, and totally wonderful woman, Nancy Marbacher. And Nancy has helped us to look at some of the planning and some of the immediate issues with returning to work. Uh, Nancy, one thing that I see over and over is that women always start out all gung-ho. They've got the baby. They're going back to work. They've kind of got what they think are all of their ducks in a row. And then at some point, it starts to feel a little overwhelming for them. They're really trying to keep all of the balls in the air. They're really committed to breastfeeding, but they're committed to their job. And oh, by the way, their job at home, keeping all of the home ducks in a row, everything gets kind of, it's just really, really hard. And then they start talking about wanting to quit breastfeeding, but they really don't want to quit breastfeeding. And so I hear a lot of that that conflicted, you know, ambivalent stuff. Um, what do you say to these women? Well, I, I really understand where they're coming from, and especially when women feel a pressure to do more pumping than they're already doing. That's a really yeah. tough one because I, I've met very few women who say they actually enjoy pumping. Um, and so, <laughs> right. so what I do is I actually talk to them about their daily routine and, and see if there's a way that they can get the milk removals they need while cutting down on the pumping, because the pumping, of course, is like triple duty. You know, first you right. pump, then you have to feed, still have to feed the baby, then you still have to clean everything. And so, right. <laughs> so, so when I mentioned before about the magic number in the, in the previous segment about the number of milk removals, the more times a day that a woman can breastfeed as opposed to pumping, then the better, that the, the easier that's going to be for her in the long run. So, for example, you know, making sure that she, she sits down to breastfeed before she leaves the baby, uh, you know, as the last thing that she does. And then, again, as the first thing she does when she's reunited with the baby. But also, 
you know, to try to fit in as many breastfeedings while she's at home with the baby as she can, you know, even including sometimes doing dream feeds maybe at night because for every, you know, a breastfeeding averages about three to four ounces of milk. And if the the number of ounces the baby needs in a 24-hour period stays stable, then for every extra breastfeeding she fits in at home, that's three to four ounces less of expressed milk she has to worry about leaving while she's at work. And so, you know, when you think of it that way, that, you know, it's, it's actually obviously a lot more enjoyable to be breastfeeding than it is to be pumping. So sometimes that can be enough to, to make it feel more doable for moms. How do you feel about these women who uh, don't really want to breastfeed at night, but I sort of tell them that that will improve their milk supply, but then they tell me that they're too tired? How, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, it's it's up to each individual mother to plan her routine the, the way it feels right to her. her. But sure. keep, keeping the baby close at night and doing dream feeds is actually not a lot of effort. But what happens, for, let's say, for example, you have an unusual baby who goes eight hours at night without, without feeding. Then what happens is you have 16 hours of the day when you, the baby needs to be fed that 30 ounces. And that adds pressure on a mother to be providing that, you know, and pumping more and more and more at work. So sometimes it can be a little bit of a vicious cycle. So, you know, my feeling is that that breastfeeding during the night can actually simplify life for working moms by decreasing that pressure on them. But of course, every mother has to make make her own decision around that. My job is to tell her, you know, what's normal, what her options are. Her job is to figure out what's going to fit in best for her family. Nancy, you're such a delight. <laughs> I I often think that sometimes I hear myself giving myself advice, but then I realize that I'm the one that has to sort it out and just figure out what's going to work. And and right. I think that's so true, whether you're lactating or not. And well, that's yeah. And sometimes you have to try different things and see yeah. what works best. So I would always encourage moms to experiment. Do you have any like really hot ideas? for how to help these mothers who have these really unusual jobs. I'm thinking of things like uh, the hard hat worker or the airplane Mm -hmm. pilot or people Uh like that. Uh, Again, I think what you're probably going to say is try to fit in more breastfeedings. Any other words of advice along those lines? Well, you know, this used to be a really bad problem, you know, if you work in an environment like that. But right now, at least here in the U.S., you know, we do have the uh, Fair Labor Standards Act, which says that em- employed breastfeeding mothers must be given a time and a place to pump. And so, you know, there's, there's uh, that, that's something I think no matter what a woman's job situation is, it really is now the employer's job to make sure she has that. So we do have that advantage today. Yes, and I don't know if that's true, but it's probably not true worldwide. Well, worldwide, um, they don't need it as much because, of course, they have longer paid maternity leaves. In, in the first place. Yeah, again, right. that's, a, that's a good point. So, so, Nancy, tell us about weaning for okay. the employed mother. Okay. Is it different than weaning when the mother is at home with the baby 24-7? Well, there is one difference, and that is most employed mothers are very anxious to wean from the pump. And that is yeah. an intermediate step that, of course, the mother at home doesn't necessarily have to worry about. Because, you know, as I mentioned, very few women 
enjoy pumping. You know, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. they, they want to eliminate that part of their lives as yeah. quickly as possible. And often the question is, well, how do I do that? You know, and stay comfortable. And the it's it basically it's the same basic principles as any sort of a weaning. The idea is you want to do it gradually. Like for example, let's say a mother's pumping, let's say three times a day at work. You'd cut down to two times a day. You know, give your body three to four days to adjust, and then maybe cut down to one time. You know, give your body three to four days to adjust, and then cut it out altogether. Now, if at any time during that weaning a mother ever feels uncomfortably full, then she should not necessarily just do nothing because that puts her at risk for plug ducts or mastitis and that sort of thing. But she can always do what's called pump to comfort, which means just pump long enough so that her breasts no longer feel uncomfortable. And that will not, you know, prolong the process. It will only make it more comfortable. So, and it'll, it'll, prevent any sort of health risks from occurring. So that that's a really good strategy to use during any sort of a weaning. You know, don't just let yourself get to the point where you're in pain. That's just not necessary. You know, b- take off a little bit of milk, whatever amount you need to just to stay comfortable. And that, I think, is where some people struggle because sometimes I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth you know I'm, I'm saying well you got to get the milk out but uh and if you don't you're going to have the mastitis or maybe you already do have the mastitis uh but on the other hand uh, the the weaning is the goal you see where i'm going with that well i think weaning should be viewed as a process and not as an event yes thank <laughs> maybe you that's, that's the a different word because because the, yes. the thing is i mean i've talked to women who've said you know, I was told to stop cold turkey, you know, yes. in my area, doctors often give this advice. And I really hate that because I don't, I can't think of any other health situation where, where a medical profession would recommend a course of action that leads to intense pain that doesn't have to occur. <laughs> I mean that I just right. really don't get that at all. But, yeah. but, uh, you know, so it's, that is, it's just not necessary for it to be painful. But mothers have said to me, that's the most pain, the greatest pain I've ever experienced, including childbirth. Absolutely. And no one should have to endure that. Just, you know, make it in a little bit more of a gradual process. Even if it's over the course of a week, you know, it can make it, you know, so much more comfortable and, as I say, reduce any risk. And, Nancy, uh, or, or listeners, I guess, I just want to reinforce that what Nancy is saying about where she lives, I don't think it's it's something that is just in Nancy's backyard. This is a problem that I have seen, and as I go around the country, I hear others talking about, and I just want to make a strong statement here that weaning cold turkey is just not ever a good thing. Bless so, you, Marie. Uh, <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just, I, I, I feel kind of bad to say, well, no, go tell your doctor no, but it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any physiologic sense. No, it doesn't. Um, so, Nancy, <laughs> help, help me with this one, too. Uh, just a bit ago here, I had this gal who uh, has a full-time job. She's got a seven-month-old baby. Her grandmother was dying, and she had to drive, I don't know, 150 miles or so on the weekend to go see the grandmother. She didn't want to give up breastfeeding, but she was really exhausted, and her milk supply was dwindling. What would you have said to this woman? How would you have helped her? What, what I would tell her is, first of all, that breastfeeding doesn't have to be all or nothing, that any amount of breastfeeding is something of value. And I would also say to her that even if, for whatever reason, her milk production d- 
dwindles, she can bring it up again later. You know, there's something called relactation. And even sure. if she is, is producing very, very little milk when, when this stressful situation is over, she can still come back to breastfeeding. So I, hopefully that would set her mind at ease. You know, obviously we all ha- do what, whatever it is we have to do. and then, But it, she can revisit breastfeeding later on once her life has, has gotten easier. Nancy, this is one where I just have to say to our listeners, listen to what Nancy just said, because Nancy comes from a background of mother-to-mother support, and Nancy just talked about the values and the options, the fact that you are lactating, you are giving your baby your milk, and hopefully you're breastfeeding as well, and that that in and of itself has value. And then she talked about the options. All right. When you work with somebody like me, I'm a nurse and I have not come up through that mother to mother support um, headset. And so I'm going to want to fix it. All right. I went to school to fix things. And so that's how I tend to approach those things. So I would just say Nancy's advice and response, if you're, if you're not getting that from somebody else, replay this podcast and listen to what Nancy said because it's about values and about options. And speaking of what you've got for values and options, I wonder if you're out there, are you looking for bibs, books, bra extenders, burp cloths, changing pads, diapers, gift sets, uh, tote pad, you name it. Uh, If you are, maybe you need to take a visit to the folks at newangel.com. And I would just like to say you have some value there as well as some uh, plenty of options. I named just a few. And you don't even have to be pregnant or breastfeeding to love their stuff. I use their excellent pillows myself. Now, look, at don't go away. We'll be right back with our guest today, Nancy Moorbacher. I'm Marie Biancuto. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuso. I am here with Nancy Moorbacher, who has been giving us some insights into some of the difficulties, some of the uh, problem solving of combining employed, uh, paid employment with breastfeeding. Nancy, some of the people who listen to the show are healthcare providers or healthcare professionals, and they often don't understand some of the subtleties of doing breastfeeding while you're also going to a job outside of the home. Mm -hmm. If you could pick just two or three things that would be the most important for a healthcare professional to try to incorporate in their teaching for that mother, what would it be? Well, I would say probably number one is that breastfeeding does not have to be all or nothing. Uh, That is one of the frustrations that I feel sometimes that mothers are told, by their health care provider, well, if you can't exclusively breastfeed, you might as well just formula feed. And I, I don't think oh, that's true at all. Not at all. Because we know from the research that any amount of breastfeeding is beneficial to both the mother and the baby. So that would be one thing. Uh, I would say another would be to, to ask the mother about her own goals and, and be flexible in the way that you help the mother to meet those goals. To, in other words, not to have a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, and to learn as much as you can about what's normal in terms of milk production, you know, and what are reasonable expectations. Nancy, I, I want to go back to that part about the goals. Mm-hmm. I just saw or read a quote a day or two ago, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, who said, be steadfast in achieving your goal, but be flexible with the approach you have in mind. That is a perfect fit for what I just said. It's a perfect fit for what you just said. And, you know, I was thinking to myself that very often, as I heard you talking, I was thinking very often I tell a mother that maybe we can 
revisit how she thought she was going to do this. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the things they think in the beginning, they do think, they do do, it does work, all is well in paradise. Mm-hmm. But that just isn't necessarily always exactly, uh, you know what I mean. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, be flexible with the approach. Right. So on the, on the converse side, Nancy, I have to tell you, I have said some dumb things to mothers in my past. I'm sure I have. I, I was kind of relieved, though, when you said that something you should always say is that it's not an all or nothing. Uh, even when I was young and dumb, I knew enough to tell mothers any breastfeeding is better than no breastfeeding. So yes, I was good in yes. that department. But um, what are some things that you think that people who... See, here's the thing. As soon as you're a healthcare professional, everybody thinks that if something comes out of your mouth, it, it just must be true. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I know that I've said some things that I wish I could have taken back. What What are some things that healthcare professionals should really try to avoid saying to the mother, especially the mother who is employed? Well, you know, first of all, let me say, I think we've all said things that we wish that we could <laughs> take back. I don't think oh, yeah. that certainly is... is uh, Something that it, it has only happened with you, but I would say that number one would be to avoid pushing their own agenda on the mother and instead have a conversation to try to understand a little bit better what the mother's goals are and why, and then give information for, on that basis. So I would say n- avoid pushing the agenda, their own agenda. And then I think also, I mentioned al- already in the first point, avoiding a one-size-fits-all approach. I think sometimes it's very tempting because I think healthcare providers oftentimes, you know, they 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 uh, have protocols that they follow and that sort of thing where they tell everyone exactly the same thing. But yep. when it comes to breastfeeding, that's not appropriate because, as I mentioned, women have different breast storage capacities. You know, the number of pumpings, uh, you know, an individual mother may need to do will vary from one woman to another depending on her breast storage capacity. And so it's very important to be flexible. Um, yeah. And I I have to say that a lot of times, you know, generally when I was young, I guess I got what you might consider kind of this this line of patter that I picked up from other healthcare professionals. Mm -hmm. And at some point I realized that I had just gotten that from somewhere, but that wasn't necessarily what was going to work, you know? Yeah, right. Um, So... So help us with this. For the benefit of those who might not have heard the first part of the show, can you give us a brief summary of maybe your three most important take-home messages for the mother who is employed? Sure. Well, I think the mo- when it comes to milk production, and that is the number one concern of all breastfeeding mothers is milk Absolutely. production, I would say the number of milk removals per day um, is an important thing to focus on. Not how many times you pump at work, but what's going on over the 24-hour day? Hour period, because so, totally sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. breastfeeding mothers believe that as their baby gets older, that the baby should need to breastfeed less often because that's a bottle feeding norm. But that is not actually a breastfeeding norm. And so actually feeding more often when you're home can make the process go more smoothly. So keeping the focus on the 24-hour day and not just on what happens at work would be number and Nancy, one. Let me just interject that sometimes when I interview people, I find that when I say during the day, they think I mean during the daylight. Uh-huh. And, and so I just want to reinforce to everybody listening, Nancy is really talking about that 24-hour period as being the day. Uh, so good. I'm good with milk production. I would agree that's everybody's okay. big concern. Yep. And, then, and then I would say... 
to to try to focus on breastfeeding as much as possible when mother and baby are together to in order to keep pumping to a minimum, because as I mentioned, I've met very few women who would ever say they enjoy pumping. Yeah. So the more you can, the more you can, if you can breastfeed more and pump less, then chances are you're going to enjoy things more and it's going to go more smoothly. And then I would say the third, the third important message, which we've mentioned in a couple different places, is that some breastfeeding is always better than none. So even if you find yourself in a situation where some formula is necessary, um, that doesn't mean that, that you need to stop breastfeeding altogether. Absolutely. Even partial breastfeeding is, is a huge boon to both you and your baby. Totally, totally agree. So, Nancy, um, you've got a new app out. Tell us about your new app in the uh, small amount of time we have left here. Sure. Well, it's called Breastfeeding Solutions, and it's available for iPhones and Android phones. And okay. what it is, is it's a, an informational app that... It can also do troubleshooting with you. There is information in there on working, on how to make the most of pumping, uh, on milk storage. You know, a lot of the same topics that working mothers are going to need. Um, it's four dollars and ninety nine cents, so it's about the same price as a cup of Starbucks coffee. Yep. But it actually covers the whole course of breastfeeding from birth to weaning. So I would I like, like to it. encourage moms to to get that on their phones even before the baby comes so that you have a reliable source of breastfeeding information. It's meant to replace Dr. Google, as a lot of mothers have called it <laughs> to me, because that can lead you to really unreliable sources, and it can be hugely time-consuming. You can spend hours with Dr. Google, and you know, whereas you, it would only take a couple minutes to get, find what you need on my app. So that would be my recommendation. Totally, totally love it. And, and uh, gals, make sure you pick that up. Um, I would just like to mention here before we close out, we've got only a few seconds left. We've been talking with Nancy Moorbacher, uh, author of that app you just heard about, as well as books. And Nancy, quick, quick, tell us, where's your website? I am at nancymorbacher.com. The hard part is spelling Morbacher, which is M as in Mary, O-H-R, B as in boy, A-C-H-E-R. So nancymorbacher.com. Dot com. Love it. And if you want to visit me, I'm at borntobebreastfed.com. If you've got questions, send them. There's a little click on there that says contact us. If you've got questions for me or for Nancy, we will get back to you with answers. That's all we have time for today, folks. It's been a fun day. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, and I promise I'll cut, help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember... Your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 